Welcome to Evan Makovsky's podcast. And in this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Kevin Jennings. He's a co-owner with his wife, Stacy Jennings of Urban Food Group. They started the company in 1998. They own nine restaurants across two states and four cities. Three of those cities are in North Carolina in Raleigh, Charlotte, and Wilmington. And they own one restaurant in Denver, Colorado. And Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you on. Both you and Stacy arrived in Raleigh in 1998. You worked in the Southeast prior to arriving. According to the website, Stacy provided the business acumen and you the culinary vision. How did Urban Food Group come together? Well, uh, thanks for having me. And um, the Urban Food Group came together when my wife and I uh, met in Atlanta. We were not married at the time. And we were dating and uh, our, my life plan was to open a restaurant and she had graduated college and she had a, uh, a business accounting degree and she had worked with a couple of small businesses and as their, their unit accountant and, and uh, business manager. And so uh, we felt like we made it, you know, we had a, we had a good chance at, at uh, survival. She had also, had some restaurant experience as well and was quite good at it. So uh, she and I decided we were going to open our first restaurant. And, and uh, that, that was the initial foundation of, of Urban Food Group. So prior to owning Urban Food Group, you mentioned Atlanta. But prior you lived, you both lived, and correct me if I'm wrong, in Charleston in 1995. That has great restaurants to that city. But what exactly primed you for opening the company just three years later? What was the impetus from being in the business? Well, you know, I had only worked in restaurants from the time I was 15. So, uh, you know, one thing that happened, we, we were living in Atlanta. Uh, we, you know, we went through a, a unfortunate situation where we, uh, we were robbed. So we were disenchanted with the city. Um, we had an opportunity in Charleston, uh, for, for a, there was a general manager that had moved from, uh, Atlanta and was running a resort, a small resort there in, uh, near Charleston in Somerville called Woodlands. And so I had a job upon us moving. And so that, that made it, uh, you know, we went and we were wined and dined and they showed us the grounds and all. And, uh, you know, Ken Vendrinsky, who, you know, as a nationally renowned chef was running the, the kitchen there. And so it was a great opportunity for us. So we moved and we kind of just got a fresh start in Charleston. Uh, I ended up working there for not very long and it was just, it just wasn't busy. You know, I was used to Atlanta, uh, volume and Atlanta money essentially. So, uh, you know, my wife and I, we were actually living downtown Charleston. So I was able to get a job at Magnolia's and Stacy got a job at a place called Bocce and then eventually moved over to um, Blossom, which was part of the Magnolia group. And so we worked there and, and uh, you know, that, that was fine. I got my first taste as a, of a general manager position while I was there. Uh, and then consequently we found it was best to move back to Atlanta. So we moved back to Atlanta and planned really, you know, we, we started getting a lot more serious about opening our first location, which was actually going to be a Mellow Mushroom franchise. Uh, we, she had experience with Mellow Mushroom. 
I had worked some with a mellow mushroom. She had actually, you know, really was, was integral in turning a mellow mushroom around financially. Um, and so, so we thought that was going to be our best shot at success. Um, so we moved back to Atlanta in, because that's where Mellow Mushroom was headquartered at the time. And that was the, our idea was that we were going to work with them to find a location. So, uh, you know, we considered Charleston. Uh, their MO is the college town um, insertion into a market. So that's their prerequisite. So we looked there, College of Charleston, of course, in Charleston. Um, we, we went up to Blacksburg, Virginia. We went to Harrisonburg, Virginia, which we were familiar with uh, because of her brother. Um, I mean, we, we looked all over the place. We looked in uh, Charlottesville. And every time there was something not quite about the deal that just didn't kind of work. So finally, they uh, we ended up moving at some point up into Virginia to help her brother with opening his dental practice. And that was the Harrisonburg I, I mentioned. We lived there for about a year and a half. Um, Mellow Mushroom called us and, and talked to us about a location in uh, in Chapel Hill. And that's really what brought us to the Triangle. At the end of the day, we, we could not come to terms with both the location, the rent, the expenses, and the franchisor. Uh, so really the, the big thing that happened at the end was uh, we decided to strike out on our own. And I called a restaurant broker. He showed us a little place on Hillsborough Street. We thought we could make a go of it, and we did. And, and that was our, our first restaurant, which was called Frazier's, located on Hillsborough Street in Raleigh in uh, 98. So you arrived in Raleigh, and who came up with the name Urban Food Group and why? So Urban Food Group was uh, it, it's really more of it, not so much a name, but more of a direction or a guideline for us. In, in before really finan- finalizing the name of Urban Food Group, we ended up we had opened a pizza place out in Holly Springs. And so Holly Springs at the time was very, very urban. I mean, sorry, rural. And then we had this, you know, uh, this location, Frazier's, which was across the street from NC State and a lot more urban. So we began to create a business plan for ourselves, which said, hey, listen, we're going to look for locations that are more urban in nature and not so rural. So our concepts, as as they developed, they were more geared towards a certain clientele, and the, the clientele lives in certain locations, and those are going to be closer to the urban core, and uh, not necessarily downtown, but where suburbs meet the, you know, the the midtown or the uptown area, like that. That's really where we're going to be located, and hence the name Urban Food Group. So. Uh, that's that's really why it came about. It came about probably two and a half years or so after we first opened Frazier's. So we had Frazier's at the time, and then we opened Porter City Tavern next door. Uh, we still had homegrown pizza out in Holly Springs for a short time, and then we ended up selling that. And uh, that was part of the deal for us to open Porter City Tavern with our financier. Talking with Kevin Jennings. He's the co-owner with his wife, Stacy of Urban Food Group. Okay, so there's obviously several iterations of restaurants that you've owned since 1998. So take me through the Cliff Notes version of how we built up to nine restaurants in 2021. 
Certainly. One was, I mean, we, we were just, we've been very fortunate, you know, the, the Raleigh area has been very, very good to us. Um, we, we started with Frazier's and we built a reputation as being, you know, you know, having, you know, great service and great food. And that's what we built our, our, uh, restaurant reputation around Porter city tavern was very, very busy. Uh, we ended up, uh, Mr. Kane had come into Frazier's fairly, uh, early on in his development of the center of North Hills. And he asked us if we would like to pursue a location there. And we were terrified because we're just small time restaurant people. And this was a giant, you know, center. So, um, after several years gone by and North Hills came out of the ground, it was a lot easier for us to see uh, what was going to happen there and also uh, become more comfortable with our own abilities. So we opened Vivace there in the, in the new section, or at the time it was the newer section of North Hills. So that was, you know, that was a big, big move for us. Uh, and it facilitated really the rest of where we are now. So uh, as you would expect, so we ended up, taking over a location at in North Hills, another one, which became Coquette. We opened a restaurant in Charlotte, Vivace, uh, that was there. We talked about duplicating some of our concepts. You know, that, that was never the, the, the busy type of thing that we had hoped it would be. We were in a center where it was an old mall where they took down, they, they leveled the mall, they built up a new mall, and then, you know, we, we went in there. So we, it was as similar to North Hills as we felt like it could be. And in the end, it never, you know, we, we also made giant mistakes in building it too big and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, during all of this period of time, you know, we've been constantly kind of reclassifying our assets. We ended up selling Frazier's after it was open 16 years, Porter City Tavern after it was open 10, and that helped us to be able to move into other locations. So, you know, we've had a, a various amounts of successes and, and failures, fortunately, more successes than failures. And, uh, you know, going to Durham and doing a restaurant that didn't work out very well um, ultimately led to us being able to be in the position to uh, to purchase the three restaurants down in Wilmington. And as well, uh, we had a, a growth plan that we never followed through which was actually going to be uh, multiple vivaches around the country and try our hand at, at duplication in that way, which we decided never to do. So in any case, slowly over the period of time, you know, we've, we've been able to add locations here and there. Uh, we've been able to sell locations that are either underperforming or we just don't see the long-term future in it. And, and it's been to where we are now. Well, you just, I want to follow up on that, actually. You just said something that I think is a, and, and I've worked in, in sales, and you talked about you've had some failures, and not just for restaurant owners, but any business owner, entrepreneur that, uh, you know, even in baseball, a 300 hitter uh, makes out seven out of 10 times they're failing. So the, the ability as an entrepreneur to swallow failures and keep going and moving on to successes. Can you talk about, you know, what that's like internally, both, you know, in your mind and with your wife and how you guys just keep moving forward? Yes. Well, I would say it's, you know, it's, it's not without pain. And I do think it's a very, very important lesson. Um, and I think that early on, we had read about other restaurateurs, other entrepreneurs, you know, people in the tech center, people in all kinds of different uh, avenues for, for 
uh, opening and building businesses. They, they, you know, there, there's several that we know of that they started out and they had millions of dollars and they went bankrupt, busted and lost it all and turned around and rebuilt a company up worth millions of dollars. And it's, it's so interesting. Uh, you must have the mindset that you were going to fail to some certain extent. You're going to make mistakes. And my father-in-law has always had a, a really great saying, you know, he said, you're, you're going to make mistakes as long along the way. What you have to avoid are the fatal mistakes, the mistakes that are going to take you all the way down back to the beginning. Those are the ones you want to avoid. And we have been fortunate in the, you know, in our lives and our company, my wife and I, to have not made that mistake as of yet. Um, we have avoided that mistake. We have made mistakes that have cost us a lot of money. But we've been able to pay it off over time. We've been able to readjust assets in order to pay off debt. Um, we have concentrated on paying debt so that we're not generally in a position where we have so much debt that when things move against us that we we get crushed. So uh, through those, you know, through some luck and some good planning and making certain mistakes and not others, it's, it's kept, it's given us the ability to grow and to, to continue on with our business. I can't, I would say I don't have the, the experience of some, which is opening a restaurant and having it fail the first one that you do. And I don't know what, what would have happened if, if that would have happened, if that would have been the case, I, I can't speak to that. So. Well, that's a good, good uh, point that you had a success to build upon before you hit failures. So what do you say to people and the restaurant business is extremely tough but what do you say to people who tell you that they are thinking about opening up a restaurant i appreciate that so this is a this is a common thing people come to us and they say hey i'm going to open a restaurant and more employee more often than not now they are people who work with us so um, that's an easier conversation when it's someone who is they they have the money and they have the ability to do it. And what is stopping them is what maybe they're not sure about what's stopping them at the moment. My response is always, have you ever worked in a restaurant? And if they say no, then the conversation at that point is fairly over for me. And that is, I can't give you advice on doing something that you, you've never done before. You know, it, it's not, you know, I always, I'll, sometimes I'll say something like, well, then I, I think that you should agree with yourself that you're not going to run the restaurant. You're going to build it. You're going to fund it. And you're going to have plenty of money to make sure that when it loses money that you're going to you know, be able to carry it. But you're going to hire somebody who's a restaurant professional and really knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And you're going to partner with them. OK, so they either listen or they don't. I say you can't you can't run a restaurant if you never worked in a restaurant. It's just silly. So then. The other side of that is when people actually have real, real uh, world experience and they that's more of an interesting conversation. And they they're asking for what their next steps would be. I've been a, a, a line cook for two years. I've been a sous chef for a year. I you know, my family's going to be providing the money. Um, what should I do next? And my response is always, you know, you know, don't be in a hurry. Put it off a few more years. Do you know, continue to do your research, switch from the kitchen, like, you know, become a chef and, and actually run the kitchen. And then after you do that, then move to the front of the house, learn to wait tables, learn to bartend, 
make sure you, you know, you obviously, if you work in a kitchen, you know how to wash dishes. So that's not, that's not a thing, but you know, get as much well-rounded experience as you can and then limit your, uh, you know, we were very fortunate, Stacy and I, we opened Vivace, we took out a giant loan and we built it out from scratch. That that's the most expensive way you can go about opening a restaurant. So the, the, the lesser way is, uh, to, let someone else build the restaurant and put all the infrastructure in and then go out. And then you come in with a decor package and an idea and some new tables and chairs and some lighting, you know, that's, it's significantly less expensive. So to those people who are, you know, I, I gauge with people who want to open a restaurant and, you know, how serious are they and how experienced are they, frankly? I agree with you. And you see that I hate to go to the sports model, but if, you know, let's say Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, he what owned the Home Depot. He had no football experience. It's fine to go buy that organization and because you have that kind of money, but then step aside and let football people run the Atlanta Falcons. I, I think that's the exact kind of parallel you're talking about here with the restaurant. Would you agree? I absolutely would agree. And I would say, uh, I don't, you know, I mean, it would be fine for you to, um, you know, to a lesser degree, let's say that if you, I, I don't fix my car because I don't know how to fix a car. Like, you know, I mean, I fixed some old cars when I was young and they were pretty straightforward, but now it's so electronicized. And I mean, you know, I don't even know if that's a word, but they, you know, they're so complicated that I, I don't need to be messing with it. Okay. Cause I'm going to mess it up. So, you know, if you don't know how to be a mechanic, then then don't work on your car. You know, that's it. So I think there's a lot of those those certain parallels like you're talking about. Like, I think that treat it more like an investment. Rarely do you see people who invest in stocks who pick all their own stocks and manage their portfolio and all that. Usually people who, you know, they, they can make as much or more return on their dollars by letting someone else who really knows what they're doing manage that effort. So I agree. I, I think that I think it's in general, you know. Why is the restaurant business so difficult for owners to turn a profit? That's certainly uh, you see restaurants close all the time. I don't know that I have the answer because if I did, I would be in a different financial situation. <laughs> so I think restaurants are uh, because you are dealing so much with the public, it's difficult to predict what they're going to do and what they're going to like and what they're not going to like and these kinds of things. So I would say that the restaurant business has a reputation for being very, very difficult. And, and I would say that that's fair. Right. But what I would say is unfair about the restaurant business and its statistics are all the people that get into the restaurant business that uh, have no business being in the restaurant. Business. They, they they didn't work in a restaurant. Right. They went and bought, you know, a couple of the, the, the hockey players and we love those guys. You know, they're really it's fun with the hurricanes here in Raleigh and we go to all kinds of games, you know, season tickets. They are. uh that, you know, like three of them got together, uh, from what I understand, I don't know all the details, but you know, they bought this franchise and they built like three or four locations and, um, you know, just a horrific failure, you know, and, and, and all that money's gone. Now they had the money, but I don't know, you know what the circumstances are, but I would just say in general, like they're really good at hockey. 
that doesn't make them good restaurateurs. It makes them good investors of a, of a restaurant company, but that means they need to not be running it, you know, just as we mentioned earlier. So I, it, you know, the margins are very, very slim and it's one of those things, you know, when you, when you have a furniture store and you buy 10 dressers for, uh, you know, thousand dollars, then you go to sell them each for generally what's a hundred percent market for $2,000 each. And you don't need a whole lot of people to sell those 10, you know, dressers and you don't need a whole lot of space and it doesn't cost a lot to get into that business as far as from the, from the aesthetic point of view, it's a, almost a warehouse approach. I mean, there's so many other reasons, you know, restaurants are hor- horrible, horribly expensive to open. Um, they're expensive to run. And you're dealing with a whole lot of people, you know, and people can be unpredictable. So changing topics. And we are speaking with Kevin Jennings. He is the co-owner of Urban Food Group with his wife, Stacy Jennings. Uh, Without picking one of your favorites amongst your nine children or putting down one of your nine children, you've mentioned Vivace. Is there any restaurant you would consider the flagship restaurant of Urban Food Group? I think that would be Vivace. You know, Vivace was uh, and continues to be a concept that we did a lot of research on. We blended, you know, a couple different Italian concepts together to come up with with uh, Vivace. We were very fortunate in the fact that we were able to work with a, a high quality hospitality only uh, architect design firm. You know, we felt like the, the design was right. I, there's just so many things about it that went well from the very beginning, which is, you know, not normal. I would say in my experience, the the layout of the kitchen, the person who built it, just everything from the start. But I will say this, you know, we went to open that restaurant, and the day I think it was two days before we opened, we did a big. We were doing our staff training process, and we had. Stacy's mom and dad and they came down to taste the food and and look over it with us and I remember my father-in-law he got up after we did our staff tasting and we we tasted the majority of the menu and he got up and said well there's not one thing I would have come back for and we were destroyed yeah I would imagine that right I mean that hurts no yeah so what we did is we took the next 48 hours and we 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 completely reworked that menu with our chef, um, Jeremy Sabo, you know, to this day, great guy. He's out of the business now, but um, he really did a fabulous job and we all worked together. And the next 48 hours later, when we opened those doors, the menu was where it needed to be. And, and, you know, we've been very, very fortunate ever since. So, all right, moving to the pandemic, what happened to your locations during the pandemic? How did you sustain the businesses with all the restrictions? So, um, during COVID, we were closed. So that was a, a, a portion, I think it was like three months or so that we were closed. They allowed us to, they, the powers that be, the government allowed us to reopen. And, you know, we were very limited on our hours of operate. Well, not really our hours of operation, but our capacity levels. So it was very, very difficult. There was no turning a profit uh, during that period of time. So, from the three-month period of being closed, that's just a hundred percent loss, and even more of a loss because there were some employees that we carried during that period of time, uh, salary-wise. Then we went to the 
the the next period, which is we rehired some of our people, but we were very, very conservative in that. Um, and it was it was very, very difficult on all restaurateurs. You know, many of them received PPP funding and they were told to pay that those funds to the employees. So we did not get PPP funding early. We received it very, very late in the process. So for us, it was an easier decision. We had already brought back some of our employees and we had employees to pay. Some of the restaurateurs from the beginning, they were paying people and they weren't even open. They were even staying home, which turned out to be just a, a just a horrible decision. You know, so people were actually making more money on unemployment. Uh, you know, they, they didn't they didn't need yeah. their employer to pay. So I got that. So we're still in the pandemic. What's the outlook for restaurants for the rest of 2021 as restrictions are being reinstituted across the country? Well, we are resisting those as much as we can. You know, we haven't been required to do spacing or uh, or limits on our on our capacity. We have been we're going back to the mask thing that has been mandated here in North Carolina. And uh, well, actually, most most places where our restaurants are, there is a mask mandate. We're hoping that it doesn't go any further. Um, you know, if you're if you're vaccinated, then you have very, very little chance of of really even being sick. So you may have a, a you know slight flu like um, you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for symptoms. Symptoms. Thank you. Yeah, you might have some you might have some symptoms, but you're not going to be in the hospital and you're not going to end up being yeah. dead. And this is just a, this is just a fact, you know, so the the, the difficulty with the lack of vaccine, uh, you know, reception, I guess, by some of the public, that's it's made things difficult. I understand both sides and I get it, but uh, I would I would like as many people to get as vaccinated, you know, get vaccinated. And so we can move on because I don't think that there are more government bailouts coming we've been very fortunate with those our company and it's allowed us to continue operating even right even now we still operate multiple restaurants at limited hours we still have the you know we have the capacity 100 percent, but we don't we have you know we operate many restaurants without doing lunch i mean there's a lot of still restrictions are in place so we we hope that that's not going to go backward i i agree with what you just said wrapping up here with kevin jennings co-owner of Urban Food Group. Obviously on the website, Stacy's listed as having business acumen and you as a culinary vision, we've gone through owning, being a whole other ball game too, but both of you have direct restaurant and fine dining experience. But if we could pseudo as much as you want, delve into your personal life, how is it having your wife as a business partner? Well, I've never had someone that's not my wife be my business partner. So I can't give a, you know, perfectly objective point of view. What I would say is it's gotta be tough, but I see, I mean, or, or maybe it doesn't have to be for you. Maybe it's gotta be tough for another couple that where, you know, business issues are trickling into personal issues and causing dissension. But it sounds like maybe it's not that tough for you just from listening. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's tough at times. Let's say that. So, you know, when times are tough and money's lean and that kind of thing, then, yeah, it's it's you know, there are there are hard decisions to be made. And it's difficult when when we, uh, you know, we we see things differently. And that's that's the truth of the matter. So, you know, she's really smart and it comes, you know, she handles money 
she is the reason that we're still in business in at 22 years or so, because we would not be in business if I were the, the financial advisor of our company. Uh, when I was young, I didn't learn anything about money or how to handle it or how to take care of it or, or use it to our advantage. And she was a lot, she's a lot more uh, fluent in that language. So I'm very fortunate that she's here. She is fortunate that I am the person who I deal with the people, you know, I deal with the staff. I deal with the, the guests uh, to a certain extent. I hire the managers and uh, we've recently hired a couple of district managers who are going to assist us in running the company. They don't, you know, I would say I've seen several people who have, they've made one fatal error. And that is, I would recommend that no one ever goes into business with someone having 50% as their percentage of ownership. Kevin, I would never do that. Kevin, what is next for Kevin Jennings and Urban Food Group? What does the future hold? Well, we are moving into attempting to purchase some property so that when I'm, you know, I can't do this anymore and I'm half in the grave that I will, uh, you know, we'll have some assets to be able to hold on to number one, you know, or tangible assets, I guess I should say. The second thing is um, we're, we're continuing to grow and trying to grow smartly, uh, not make the mistakes of the past. And so we have a new uh, restaurant. We believe we're not, it's not a done deal, but we are working on a new restaurant, which will be uh, similar to our Porter City Tavern concept that we had years ago, and it's an American Tavern, and so we have we have a location, and we're well down the the road with the lease, etc. And that'll be here in Raleigh. We are looking for another like you know a, a piece of real estate with restaurant that we can purchase and run, and we're not we don't know where that'll be, so we'll just continue growing, hopefully smartly. Kevin, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, you've given very candid answers, and thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, sir. Well, that is Kevin Jennings. He's the co-owner of Urban Food Group on Evan Makovsky's podcast. Coming up on the next episode will be Gerilyn Green. She is the Global Chief Communications and Public Affairs Officer of Yum Brands. They are the parent company of... Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, with more than 48,000 restaurants in 140 countries. I want to thank Kevin Jennings, and I'm Evan Makovsky, and we'll see you next time.